thank, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, but I'm really, really grateful to have you on and, and to um, have some time to talk with you on what I think is a really, um, really important topic. So first of all, if you, I'd love if you could introduce yourself and, and explain a bit your background and, and what, you're, you know, what you're here for. Yeah, thanks, Connor. It's really great to be here and an honor to be part of the, the first one. Um, I think what you're doing is, is really important and it is an important topic. Um, I live in Victoria, British Columbia. I'm a guy with a website that's called CO2.Earth. Uh, and um, since 2007, I have been running websites as a side project that uh, repost the latest levels of the uh, CO2 in the atmosphere. It's a it's a indicator of planetary significance. It really uh, gives ordinary people a, a, a basically a real time view of uh, the trend, uh, the big big consequential trend for climate. Um, uh, it, it it connects us with um, you know data um, and not you know if you know a little bit about atmospheric CO two, you don't really need um, experts to, to tell you what it means. Um, you know, when it's always rising, uh, uh, we're making, uh, making uh, global climate change even worse. And um, so, so that's kind of what I've been doing, but um, I've been doing that since 2007 and throughout that period and before I, you know, I have a, a day job and I work for the government of British Columbia. I do policy and communications work. Um, it's a good, it's, it's good work. Um, uh, and um, uh, this is a side project. I've, I've been interested in the environment for a long time. Um, I, um, I guess when I was growing up, I was blessed with, um, uh, you know, around kind of my tween years, like, you know, just as I was becoming a, a teenager, uh, grades uh, five, six, seven, um, I had a lot of exposure to the outdoors. Uh, I lived in a small town in Nova Scotia at the time. Uh, we had a cottage and so we spent summers outdoors. Uh, we lived, you know, our house uh, in Nova Scotia in Apples Valley was really close to the river and um, there's just, Lots of outdoor spaces. I was part of the scouts, and we had a very active group and went camping all seasons. Um, so I had this really rich exposure to the outdoors, and I, I think that just stayed with me um, as I was growing up and looking at what's happening in the world, and and just I had this inner caring about the the natural world and. Um, when I was in my 20s, uh, sort of that was the 1980s, um, uh, the world was starting to talk about climate change and kind of for the first time, I mean, scientists have been talking about it for a long time, but, but it was um, uh, coming into sort of part, part of the public discourse and uh, I was paying attention to that and saying, yeah, we need to, uh, this is a problem we need to fix. And, um, you know, I was 
in my 20s and naive and and the earth summit happened and uh it was really an optimistic thing and the united nations framework convention on climate change came out of that and that was a really uh positive thing and um i've just i guess i've been an observer over the years of these great um I mean, this is a great challenge, and there's been a, a huge response um, globally to it, and and you know different levels, and um, you know I got to uh, you know 2007, and I was you know starting to realize well things aren't actually getting fixed, the problems keep getting worse, and I was at a, I went to see Al Gore with with my eldest son. Uh, he came uh, to the Victoria Convention Center in 2007. And, um, you know, it was in the middle of that that, I mean, he, he gave his slideshow that is, um, you know, in a movie and, and lots of people have seen worldwide and, he, and he's still giving different variations of it. The hockey um, stick, right? Everyone knows the hockey stick now. But yeah, and, and you know, it was in that personal presentation and he's talking about carbon dioxide and it just occurred to me like, <clears throat> that is, that's it. Like how come, he wasn't talking about a number, he was talking about the graph and I just thought, well, if that number keeps going up, that number's gotta be somewhere and I know enough about the environment to know that that number is not being, it's not in the newspapers. Yeah. Um, why isn't it? Well in a flash I thought well I could make a website and 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 the website would have that number whatever that number is so uh, that was the beginning of a website uh, that I launched in December of 2007 it was called the most important number.org hmm. uh, it was just a I, I'm not a web guy but I knew enough I could throw together some HTML code and some really bad graphics and and I had you know 382.35 or something was was the was the level back uh, for November uh, of 2007 at the time and that was out of the, the Mauna Loa Observatory. And we're so, at 417 as of May this year, right? Yeah, climbing. Yeah, and and accelerating. Um, uh, and 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 increasing faster than than it has in human history. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 worrying. It's it's really worrying. And to, just to touch a little bit on, on my background, because I think I find a lot of the people who are very interested and very passionate about this have had a lot of involvement or a lot of exposure to the outdoors as, as children and, and young adults, and have been kind of intimately linked to either organizations or groups that are mainly focused on outdoor activities or, or themselves have spent a lot of time outdoors, either camping or trekking, mountain biking, whatever it may be. And I think the more time you spend outdoors, the more you realize that nature is, is incredibly, it's incredibly powerful and incredibly wonderful to behold, but it's also delicate in many ways that we can't even comprehend. And when you, when you post these numbers, and you see this on a website, it can be very hard to grasp actually what this number means in a, in a bigger context of what's going on 
either environmentally, what's going on with, with what we're producing in terms of toxins or CO2 emissions, or, or what's happening in the atmosphere or the oceans. And, and I think the fact that you're, you're putting it out there and people can easily see what's going on is, is wonderful. And I think that this, we're probably still, maybe, maybe you, you, you see this differently, but I, I think we're still not able to connect these numbers to what we're observing in the world around us and what we're experiencing just because of the scale of that is so hard, I think, for humans to comprehend. No, I, I completely agree with that. I, I think, well, I would say, I think people generally understand when they hear of uh, atmospheric CO2 and it's going up, it's, they, know, they know it's not the right direction. Um, but, but there isn't a lot of literacy for understanding the Earth system. Um, and, and the climate system. And so uh, people start to trip up with the, the difference between atmospheric levels uh, and emission levels. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then it, um, it, it does, um, it, I think it's, it's tough. I find it for myself even tough or mind boggling to think about all of those pieces that are behind the emissions levels that are going up and, and, and pushing up the, the atmospheric levels and and to um uh and and to it does get a little bit abstract and it's um tough to find well where are the solutions what do we have to do um to to to, to fix that and and there's so much to think about i think people you know, even people who care about the environment sort of go, well, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. And, and there's, a, there's a feeling of, of helplessness. And um, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, we're talking about something that's a, of a scale and complexity that's not really in the human experience. It's not something that we humans have evolved to, um, you know, respond to. I mean, we're, you know, we can respond to an immediate tangible risk. Um, like COVID. Like, like COVID. Right. I mean, that's, uh, as, you know, there's some invisible factors there and we're having, we're stumbling over some of those things, but, but it's, but there's a realness to it. I mean, um, there's a lot of tangible things to it. And, and, um, uh, but uh, yeah, the atmosphere, uh, and, 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 you know, the, the whole carbon cycle and, and yeah. you know, we don't talk even very much about the acidification of the ocean. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, that's the, the whole other part of the equation. We don't actually know how much the oceans are actually soaking up. So we see the parts per million, but the, yeah. the ocean is a huge carbon sink as well. And the acidification is, is a consequence of that. It's, it's all... Well, the, the scientists do know, they've been able to figure that part out and they, they, they have all the numbers for that, but it's um, it, it's uh, it is also a little bit more variable. So it's um, I mean, one of the things about the Monolona CO two numbers is it's so steady. I mean, the data is so clean compared to um, a, a lot of data that you see for almost anything. Um, it, it's 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 very it's very clear um, and and a useful indicator of, of what's going on, um, uh, but. Uh, you know the the numbers of like the the, the annual absorption of uh, CO two in say two thousand eighteen could be quite is quite different from uh, say two two thousand seventeen. It's not necessarily there's a lot more variability 
and, and you can't get that, you don't get those numbers in real time. So there's, um, you know, there's it's, reason, it's not out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Can, can I ask you, um, I was going through a kind of a thought experiment myself earlier today. Um, and maybe maybe this ties into some of some of the uh, the different topics that we we could touch on. It's such a huge subject, so again, it's this this so many strands to this. But say tomorrow we had um, a response from from governments and organisations and companies worldwide, similar to COVID, where where they just said basically climate change and CO two emissions are the biggest threat to humanity. We have to stop this immediately. And they basically said, you know, by the end of the year, we will have no more carbon dioxide emissions. Yeah. What would be the implication for you know the concentration in the atmosphere and long term or, or next ten to twenty years? What will be the implications of that? Yeah, I think that's a really good thought experiment, and um, it's definitely uh, a hypothetical scenario. Um, so, if if like global emissions of CO two went to zero by the end of the year. Um, you would uh, actually start to see the, the CO2 levels uh, decline um, in the atmosphere. Um, if you got them to 50 or 60% of, down to 50 or, if you reduce it by 50 or 60% from what it is today, um, that's the point where you would see the level actually start to flatten um, sort of year over year. So, um, it, you know, you would still have a, there's still a seasonal trend that, you know, it goes up and down, um, you know, about six parts per million uh, between sort of May to, it peaks around May, it, yeah. it uh, troughs around sort of September, early October. But that's that's due to no Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, the, the kind of seasonality of, of output. Yeah, that that's right. And it's, it's really the, the northern hemisphere, which has, you know, there's four times more land in, in the northern hemisphere. So that's where the vegetation is. And so that's the, the driver for the, that seasonal cycle that you see um, so clearly at the Mauna Loa data. And, um, uh, well, you see it in, you see it globally, but there's, you know, as you go up the latitudes, um, it, it'll be more pronounced in, say, Barrow, Alaska. Um, which, which is closer to the northern hemisphere, but if you're if you're measuring CO two levels uh, closer to the South Pole, you're you're going to see you know just a faint, a yeah. faint glimmer of that. But but um, yeah, so the the um, uh, cutting cutting emissions in half would see the the, the level flatten, and and then sort of going beyond that sort of reduction of 50 or 60%, uh, then you're gonna start to see a slow decline. Um, it, it will not decline as, as much as it has been increasing. So if you went right to zero, um, I, I think it was what, uh, 40, 50 parts per million per century. Is, Increase. Is, be, no, it would be the decline. Would, would decline. So, so we're, 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 we're increasing way faster than that. Um, uh, and and it's also it, it, things sort of slow down, so you start a little faster, and 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 um, you know at the end of the century you, you would be declining at a, a lower rate. Now, the the thing is, if we 
got to reduce global emissions, say by 60% and things were flatlined. And then we just stayed there. What would happen is that the, we would still be at a balance um, with the historical natural cycles of CO2 um, being emitted into the atmosphere and then, and then going back into the land and, and the oceans. Um, and so um, if we just maintain that level, uh, the, the land and the oceans would lose their capacity to uh, sink those, that CO2 and, and the level in the atmosphere would start to uh, creep up. And, and, so, um, and, and so that's why ultimately we do need to get to zero. We need to, um, the emissions from human sources need to basically get to zero to uh, achieve that balance that existed before humans were here, basically, because the CO2 cycle was in balance at that time. And, um, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is just not putting all of taking that CO2 that's sequestered in the crust of the earth and not pulling it out and combusting it and putting it into the atmosphere. Uh, sorry, the carbon is in the crust and then it, it converts into CO2. So stop burning fossil fuels, basically. <laughs> uh, basically, that's 90% that's of the problem and, mm. and uh, uh, changing land use is, is about 10% you know, of the problem. And you know, in there also is you know, uh, cement uh, production is. Yeah. I don't know, 3% or so. I might not have the, the numbers quite exact, but just in terms of relative scales, those are, those are the, the culprits on CO2. So I, 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 in your website, you referred to the iron skillet and, and the kind of um, prolonged um, effects. So even if we reduce emissions, there is a prolonged heating effect over quite some time. What, what I find hard to reconcile when I see discussions that, you know, intergovernmental level or, or even local organizations or local authorities. We aim for these targets. So we talk about, you know, we want to limit it to two degrees warming, or we want to limit it to a certain amount of CO2 output, or even to become CO2 neutral. But what, what I find hard to reconcile is we still have a lot of, we have a lot of CO2 in the atmosphere and that we continue to be pumping out. So the targets don't really seem to be consistent with where we want to get long-term. Either the targets are too low or we're too slow at really making meaningful changes. And I, I find when I look at the data that the data tells me a story that the targets and, and the governmental discussions don't really seem to be matching. How, how do you view that? Yeah, I see a, a, a big match. So there's targets that, that are they're labeled as aspirational. Mm. Um, and, and the governments, the, the, the UN and FCC, so national governments, <clears throat> Are talking about ratcheting up their ambition uh, to do more to get closer to achieving the targets, and it's just a it's a way of saying we're we're not there, we're not we're not doing it. And um, <clears throat> there are some there's some good information out there about well what what are the actual plans and commitments and 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 pledges that uh, the governments of the world are putting out and um, you know, in aggregate, um, uh, uh, they show that, that they're not, um, even the plans, if we achieve them, are not enough to achieve the, the targets. So, so there's a huge gap. And I think it's important for, for people, 
in every corner of the world to to be aware that that we don't have um, uh, plans and pledges to stop this problem. If if you care about uh, how the earth is and want it to to remain uh, stable and prosperous and uh, abundant and capable of sustaining um, a diverse and intelligent life uh, uh, for a long time, um, then then we should know that there more needs to be done than is being done right now. And and I don't, I mean, I personally, I think uh, that um, it's a mistake to think that the governments have it under control and, and that the problem is going to be solved and we can sit back and um, uh, do little pieces and, and think it's all going to work out. I, I, I really believe that um, ordinary people need to come together. It's a time to uh, exercise our ingenuity and uh, uh, start looking uh, at talking about the problem, seeing the, these numbers, having, having these kinds of you know, the CO2 numbers and others. Uh, more ubiquitous and uh, talk about the problem, the reality of it, and um, and 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 get going on on a, on some new pathways to to resolving this. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of things to happen that can um, uh, transform uh, our. Uh, societies, communities, lifestyles in, in a really positive way um, uh, that brings us into an alignment with, with the earth system and um, gets things right on the, on the chemistry of, of, the, of the biosphere. Um, we're altering the, the, the um, chemistry of the biosphere and it's heating it up and um, it's, it's bad news. <laughs> for uh, people today, and it's even worse news for, uh, uh, I guess, life in the wild and, and future generations. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's profound, really. It, it, there's a, it's perceptible that there's something happening, there's something changing in, in nature, in, in the climate. Year on year, you can see the cycles don't seem to quite run the way they used to. You see, uh, you know, biodiversity issues, loss of habitat. Um, you can feel that there's changes happening in nature that don't feel like the past, but yes. you, you don't know if what we're doing is, the steps we're taking to mitigate that is enough. The actions that we're taking is in any way enough. And I think like going back to COVID again, but a lot of people, I think, rely on, on governments or rely on experts to tell them what needs to be done and to give them a reassurance that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But with this, I don't see the reassurance really being there. I see there's some lip service, but it's not really getting us where we need to go. And to be honest, the only way to do that, I see, is through radical changes. Radical changes in the economy, in our, in our energy systems, in the way we, in the way we live our lives, and, and to really become stewards of of the planet and, and our own lives. And maybe you, maybe you have some positive stories or things you could share that you see this. There are some examples of, of you know, 
organizations, groups locally, companies that are taking the initiative up when governments maybe aren't? Well, you know, there are lots of really great things happening. Um, there's a, I don't know, there's an economist, Kate Wayworth, Rayworth, and uh, she's talking about sort of a whole, I guess what she calls it, donut, uh, donut economics. And, and she's an economist and talking about uh, how, how our economies uh, need to uh, sort of mesh with, 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 uh, the way the earth, excuse me, the earth, uh, earth works. Excuse me. Um, uh, there's a somebody wrote to me about a, a company uh, in the states that is, and, and there are lots of examples of, of this where they're they're looking at the whole life cycle of of products yeah. and um, and um, you know. So I mean, the greenhouse gases is one part of it, but but there's you know if we're looking at the long term, living in alignment with the earth over the long term, everything has to be recycled. I mean that's we have to basically live kind of like nature does, where everything that is created, you know, it, it gets used in some way, in some good way, and. Um, I mean, those kind of when you're talking about models that that are going in that direction, I think, and there are lots of them. Uh, those are the ones I think to to pay attention and to to really uh, put up on a pedestal and to support and to to figure out how can we make these really work. The circular economy, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, I, I think. It is. We do need something radical and transformative, but it doesn't. That doesn't necessarily have to mean um, that it's that it's hard. Like it, it. It's not that it's without challenges and difficulties, but it doesn't have to be like you have to kind of give up yourself to um, to, to make these kind of changes. I think there's there's ways to uh, for people to integrate them into their personal lives and communities and, and to learn and figure out how to do it. I mean, it's really, I think about uh, people um, kind of doing it and working together and, and, and figuring it out. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot more gaps in, like there's the, the number of, I, I think the pro part of the problem is that those instances where we're going in the right direction and doing the right things that are overwhelmed by by the, the the things that we're doing that are that feel comfortable because we know them and and they 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 give us some tangible results that we rely on um but um we we kind of are you know overlooked the um don't really see the downside as, as clearly as, as we, we should and, um, so you know we have an industrial or uh, internal combustion engines. Um, I mean, their time has really come. I mean, we've got to uh, say goodbye to those and, and stop. You know, I, I I refuse to buy a combustion something with a new combustion engine. Um, it's not world changing, but um, I the thought of, of bringing in a like buying a lawnmower or a, like a new car with a combustion engine, it just like I can't do that. I, um, but I also have to live in this world, and I do have a fossil fuel 
car mm. at the moment. Um, it's a small one. Um, uh, and we just have one in our family, but um, I, I won't buy a new combustion engine. I won't bring one of those in, in, into the world. And I look forward to having uh, electric uh, at some point. Um, it's it's uh, yeah we we got on electric about four years ago. My wife was was really prompting me to make that change, and uh, she, she she kind of wouldn't let up and said, you know, this is the time to do it now. And I think um, at the time we the the word which was ringing in our ears was um, range anxiety, right? Because you're thinking, can I replicate what I have with an with an ICE with a with an electric vehicle? And you're, at the time you're thinking. Ooh, I'm going to have to watch every, every mile I drive, every kilometer, because, you know, if I run out of battery, I'm stuck somewhere. But the reality is it's not even an issue because if you're driving to the shops or you're even driving into the city, you're doing what, maybe 20, 30 miles, you know, round trip, max 100. The, most cars, most electric cars have a range of at least 100, 150 minimum now. Um, mm. But I think what, it, it, the paradigm shift isn't just the car changing from internal combustion to electric, but it's also... All the infrastructure that goes around that it's, it's right. the investment in charging facilities it's the investment in you know um parking it's the investment in, in in everything that supports that and and that can probably partly be covered by private enterprise but some of it also needs to come from the government and state as well and then you touch on you know what what is a what is a, a government's um you know what is their policy what, what are they what are they trying to achieve in the next 10 years in terms of CO2 reductions? In, in the UK, they have very ambitious goals. And there is quite a, quite a large rollout of, of this infrastructure for electric cars and the sale of electric cars. But again, there is, there is an incumbent industry which still is selling ICEs globally. And, and you, um, you see small, small increases in, in electric vehicle sales and you see it is going the right direction, but it is still a very small percentage of the overall sale of, of cars globally but i think there's a lot of things like that where it's these incremental shifts in, in what people buy and how they use their consumer power that can make make changes but it does feel at times like it's still only a small drop in the ocean compared to the other side of the fossil fuel equation whether it's cars or you know air tra travel or electric electric electricity production or plastic production they, this still continues unabated even with these yeah with these steps or these measures? Well, I, I heard, I was, in a, I was on a uh, web conference call not that long ago, and I don't know the individual's name, but uh, last name was Topham, and he's the, um, the champion of solutions or, uh, for the, the coming COP26 in Glasgow that's been postponed a year. Um, and one of the comments stuck with me that he said, well, you know, change, when we're talking about changes, we're, they, they actually happen exponentially. And you can see, you know, energy uh, from renewables, it's, it's growing exponentially. So yes, it, it's small, but um, the growth is exponential. And so when you're looking for those signs of, of hope, uh, that we're going in the right direction. Keep in mind that that um, when when shifts happen, they they do they're, they're incrementally. So don't be stuck with the linear thinking that it's it's small and it's going to take forever for it to to get anywhere. Um, that that things can take off. 
um, and 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 are. So I, I think I think that there, there's a bit of uh, theoretical optimism in that, um, and but I, I think there's also I, I think I think that's something also to be mindful of. Like like don't take that to the bank, but uh, I, I think that's kind of you've got to be thinking about that, that, that reality of how change happens. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's a really good point. And I guess one, one maybe more superficial example, but look at, look at mobile phones. I mean, even just 10 years ago, smartphones were in their infancy, you know, right? Not everyone had one. Apple probably had the first or second model. Then Android came to market. And in the last, you know, five years, everyone has a phone. Everyone has top of the range phone, mini computer in their pocket where you can do everything. And that's kind of been this exponential growth that just 10 years ago, the world looked very different. So yeah. if that happens with cars or, or other things, then the future could be a lot brighter. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, 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 change, we live in a world of change. Change is, is actually, uh, you know, give it five years or 10 years and, and there's huge changes that you couldn't imagine. But... But but sitting here and thinking about this year, this month, and, and this year, it, it, it feels slow. Um, so, but um, I, I think with this challenge, um, with the climate challenge, I, I think I think this is a really important decade. Yeah, I, I think I think we're, and I guess from my perspective, um, you know, I I've been listening to. I'll call them platitudes of uh, taking setting things right for the environment for for decades, and you know the '90s was supposed to be the turnaround decade, uh, and I was really excited about that. Well, um, it wasn't the turnaround decade. The, the economy just boomed, and um, uh, at the expense of the environment. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a, with a strong economy if it's aligned with the environment, but um, the environment. Uh, and and uh, the greenhouse gases they 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 took off and uh, in the wrong direction. And um, when we're talking about avoiding 1.5 degrees C or, or avoiding keeping as close to 1.5 and keeping it under two, I mean it's hugely ambitious. Where we haven't got the infrastructure and the pieces in place to do that, mm. but. Um, I think I think we need to um, the, ch the big changes need to happen. You know, this five years, uh, this year, this five years, this decade, and and we can't like start talking about 2040 and 2050, thinking that um, you know it's going to be figured out by then. Like we have to we have to work harder at this than we have um, uh, and do more new things. And and there's a lot of areas where more can be done and so it's a real opportunity to get creative whether you're in the you know an entrepreneur or a uh just a, a regular person wanting to like contribute in some way um there's a there's a lot to be done and i and i think i think when we get there and i am very hopeful and believe we can uh it it's gonna be it, it'll be a much better Place, I think yeah, on all kinds of levels um, and and I think I mean there's a huge challenge it's 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 something we need to 
we need to change what we're doing now and um, um, the, 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 the climate challenge uh, is, is so huge and, and there's so many things sort of built into the system, like you're talking about the iron skillet. Um, uh, we, we've got we've to get into a different mode and go start going down a different, a different road and, uh, in some areas. And, um, but it has to start now. Like, um, we can't just do a little bit this year and a little bit next year. Like, yeah. we really got to like, can we double it this year? Can we triple it this year? I mean, uh, the, um, there's a UNEP report that says if we want to hit these targets, I mean, because we've waited so long, instead of uh, reducing global emissions by three or 3.3% a year, I mean, now we're, we're over 7% that we have to reduce our global emissions so it's and if we wait longer that's going to grow yeah the longer we wait the more painful it's going to get right yeah, more, more radical adjustment more painful. um you know we don't it's delayed pain but um uh I, I, it's it's a big thing i mean i don't i don't think people are feeling that and it does feel out there and abstract and certainly if you're trying to be elected you know, this year, this cycle, mm. um, all of that can seem so far away. And, and, mm. uh, well, I am seeing, I, I am seeing, Mike, I am, I am seeing some, some kind of positive trends linked to COVID and, and some also not linked to COVID. You know, one is these um, economic recoveries. So there's a lot of, a lot of people calling out for any COVID-based financial support to also carry some type of um, environmental conditions. So if companies are being bailed out or given financial support, that support needs to be contingent on certain sustainability or, or environmental measures yes. um, being, being linked to them. So I, I think that is a good thing, but I think it all, they also need to be tangible and, and realistic measures that, that have some you know, measurable um, uh, positive benefits. And, and another thing which, um, which, again, COVID shows is that we are able very quickly to make radical changes within in basically every facet of our lives from, from how we work, how we, how we travel or not travel, how we communicate with each other. We went from basically being in the, well, for me, being, being in an office and working there nine to five to working from home nine to five or longer, yeah. doing calls, not having to travel to meet clients. Um, you know, shopping was at the start was kind of rationed, so you didn't know what you get. You had to plan much more what you were going to buy, prepare your meals in a different way. International travel was off the table. Um, and, but what you see is you see an upswelling in, in kind of community support and community initiatives where people are, are looking out for each other. And they realize that, hey, we're all in this together. It's not easy, but we want to look out for each other, particularly the most vulnerable or the people maybe who don't have other dependents around to, to help. And, and that gives me a lot of hope for the future that people, and maybe this is the wake up call we need that it says, listen, we've been treating the, not just the planet really badly, but ourselves, the economy. We, we've been exploiting in ways that aren't sustainable. And these kind of things happen. And, and you, you then have to learn from it and you have to make really radical changes to live better in the future. And, and I hope we can start to do that. I hope this is the wake-up call that does inspire us in the 20s to start taking these, these radical steps and following through. Yeah, well, COVID is, uh, um, I mean, it, it constrains 
people in lots of the wrong ways and um you know there's we're we are seeing a lot of really positive responses and people are taking advantage of of, of the opportunity to you know to to target the investments not just at the public health but uh, the environmental health um and and that's all good and i i i mean i also see i think there's a flip side happening that um you know when when there's a, a crisis it's it's time for for change and 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 there's there's those the calls that are the people who are calling for let's uh take care of the environment with all of these investments that uh, um on the one hand there, there are others who are saying well let's you know let's just get this pipeline built and um uh, it's going to create jobs and, and get our economy yeah. back. Um, and there's a lot of that going on. Um, you know, I live next door to Alberta, and the United States is is uh, is next door. And um, there's a lot of, of that kind of thing happening. I I hear both, uh, and I see both happening, and it's a real tussle. And at least historically, um, you know, the environment has has tended to be the, the net loser in, in, in those kinds of right because jobs um, matter more right yeah and uh, I think it's important to be mindful of, of that and so how do we I think it's really important to um, be taking advantage of opportunities like this to figure out like let's how let's target this money so it's 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 good for people and health and and the planet at the same time how do we do that Mm. And, uh, um, it's it's a really important topic, and I uh, um, yeah, um, and so push for that. <laughs> you, know, you can see the the economics are shifting. You know, we I'll go back to the UK again because I live here. But a big record for us was there was no uh, coal powered uh, energy production, electricity production for thirty days running. It was wow. pretty much pretty much all renewables, which was a huge, mm. massive, you know, milestone. Um, and I think globally, if we look at the, the jobs being produced in the energy sector, I think more and more of those are coming from renewables. Um, and and you know, in Europe, we have a lot of wind, wind, wind power, so offshore wind, solar, solar energy. The investment into that is is increasing year on year. It's probably slowed down a bit this year due to you know external factors. But when we talk about the energy sector and jobs, you know, the U.S. still is living in this dream of we got to support shale, we got to support, you know, fracking fossil fuels. And, and the reality is the more jobs are being created, created in renewables than in these, mm. in these, you know, let's say fossil fuel intensive industries. So the, the economics is also there as well now. The economics is, is becoming more and more. It's becoming such a strong argument now that it doesn't even you don't even need to to offset against you know subsidies in the in the fossil fuel sector and renewables can kind of stand on their own and, and those jobs continue to, to grow year on year but i agree there are you know considerations for each each region there are there's historically these have been energy jobs so this has been my dad's worked in the steel mill or you know this this is something in the family and that there is a strong tradition there people are proud of what they've done and where they've come from yeah yeah um well, I, I think a lot of decisions aren't necessarily made on logic. I, I think that 
uh, you know, the UK and, and Europe is, uh, is ahead of us in North America, for sure. Um, there's a lot of identity politics and a lot of uh, emotion in, in, yeah. in the public um, and, and pushing big, big pushes of resources and attention to, to different kinds of problems. And um, uh, it's um, not always, uh, um, you know, with the longer term environment in mind. Um, it's 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 a complex you know the the way the the world comes together and uh focuses on solving problems and making things better for people it's a really complex That's thing it. it's not That's a straightforward it. just because you know a is proven to be uh you know a solution or something we should all do that doesn't necessarily mean it's the thing that's going to get done um yeah and it's impossible to stay away from, you know, the political angle and local versus regional. And there's this, you know, there's, there's so many different facets to this. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think, I think that working, being mindful of those things and really being able to work on those different levels is, is, is where we are going to make some real progress. Um, and, and I, I say that not, not really knowing exactly how, but uh, <laughs> it's so challenging, but um, I, it's something to pay attention to and, and, and learn and get good at. Well, I, t I take hope, you know, talk, talking to somebody like you and, and other people that I know who just, just basically say, if this isn't changing, then I need to be part of that change. Uh, this is just taking too long. It's going too slowly. The signs are all there. People aren't listening up. So I've got to take this upon myself to do this. And then you have these people-led initiatives where people are saying, we have to be the change. We have to start moving this because otherwise it's, it's not moving fast enough. And, and that that's gives me a lot, of, a lot of inspiration and hope as well that each individual, I know it's a platitude to say you have the power to, to make a change, but you do. You know, if if you don't let inertia overcome you and be overwhelmed by what seems to be a huge and, and overwhelming challenge, um, each person can take it upon themselves to make small actions or get involved together as a group and, and do something, which, you, which you're doing. You know, you're raising this awareness and getting people to, to understand why this is such an immense problem. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, there are a lot of people who want to do something and 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 you know one of the biggest questions is well what can i do to make a change i mean there's a there's a huge i think pent up desire to to do something yeah. that they know can have an effect and um i i, I think that um uh i what i what inspires me is i see people who um you know aren't just sort of like wanting to I don't know, put stamps on envelopes, they use an old analogy, it's a little bit dated, but um, they, they want to bring their, the, the magic that they have in, you know, that they've developed as a, as a person or as a professional or what have you, and, and, and bring it to this massive problem. Uh, you know, maybe it's graphic design, maybe it's, um, you know, business writing, maybe it, like, like it can be such diverse kind of uh, talents. Um, and and we need all of them, and um, we need to bring them all together. And I'm really interested in seeing that 
happen. And, you know, I guess for myself, I, I just saw for myself a little niche, like this number is not floating around in the world. It's not ubiquitous. Mm. I can help raise the profile. Uh, I can create a, a website that just puts this number right on the front page because that doesn't exist anywhere. And, um, you know, that's just a little niche thing. And I was, was a bit naive in thinking that, well, it's so clear that this is going to, you know, help change the world. And <laughs> the world didn't really change. Um, uh, uh, even as the, the site traffic grew, um, it, it, it wasn't, I could see that it wasn't. And then the conversations that I had with people, uh, you know, they could understand that CO2 is rising, but then making the connection with, well, what are we going to do or what can I do? That there were these gaps. So um, uh, one of the things that I ended up doing is going to grad school and um, I got a degree in um, environmental education and communication. And that was really a fantastic experience because it really, uh, opened my mind to uh, different ways of understanding the environment and systems thinking and, 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 a, and a lot of, uh, you know, that formal education really helped me. And, and then the opportunity to, to do some great research um, on, on a topic that I cared about, which is the topic we're talking about. Um, and, you know, learning from scientists about how they, uh, have come to understand how the earth system works um so that for me that was a big step that you know just changed the way i think and the way i perceive the problems and i'm able to you know i haven't you know the solutions don't all come rushing forth but you you start to understand the problems and in, in from different perspectives and see the yeah, so see where where the gaps are, and um, you know, I guess that's sort of uh, equipped me to to make a hopefully a, a, a better contribution, um, and um, which is really in the area of trying to bring people together to um, uh, make contributions that kind of add up. And, and that, that are, are dealing with this complex reality in, in little chunks that we can each manage. But, but when you get five or 10 people working together on something, I mean, you can just accomplish so much more uh, than you can as, as an individual just sort That's of true, yeah. doing one thing. So um, I, I think that that um, can help fill some of the gaps that are left, like the United nations we we need them to be there coordinating things but um and and they have some important roles to, to play but but um uh, it it's ultimately i mean this is a challenge that ultimately affects people and 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 we need to be in the game that you know people you know in different communities and countries and um and it's it's, in, it's incredibly important it's it's uh... I do, I do agree, as you said before, I mean, I think this decade is, is going to be a defining decade in terms of if we take actions now that will 
allow us to 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 continue to live in 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 a way we're used to in this planet or or if it pushes us to the point where we then have to deal with radical radical changes and and you know things that we have never experienced before be that extreme climate that we we are, is in, in makes maybe whole regions uninhabitable shifts food production creates large scale you know mass migration all, all these things we don't really we hope we don't have to experience them but we need to take steps to avoid that happening and and that number that you're showing every day is is a big part of that yeah. um, but there's also the the other part which is what's feeding into that number increasing and that really is what we need to take immediate action on yes and you know we can we can voluntarily take action um and and have a better more stable planet planetary system or we can you know, allow things to move along without adequate solutions. And then we're in a situation where we're being forced yeah. uh, to do things that we don't want. We're forced into, I mean, quarantines is not the exact metaphor, but, um, uh, um, you know, you're forced to higher ground if you're, you know, living by the, you know, have a house near the ocean. Um, there's all kinds of things like that. Uh, you know, if you're, we had a, a tornado in Victoria for the first time ever. Really? Recently. Wow. Yeah. That's bizarre. It's totally bizarre. Yeah. I thought it was bizarre when, I don't know, five years ago, there was a tornado in yeah. Toronto. It's like, um, you know, it just doesn't happen. But like there, uh, there are things like that that are happening in this world that they're just accumulating and getting worse and worse. And we've got to, we've got to, you know, allow things to settle down to stabilize. And it really starts with uh, a stable atmosphere. If we have the chemistry stable in the atmosphere, uh, then, then we've done what we need to do. And it's not that it's a simple thing to conceptualize, but it's really hard to do because it involves 7.8 billion people and counting, so. Yeah, all taking consistent, concerted consistent, concerted, uh, you know, steps to, to go in the right direction. I really, yeah. I mean, this has been a really, really interesting uh, discussion for me. I, I, I find it, the whole topic, not just incredibly important, but also so multifaceted and there's so many, so many things that we could discuss and cover. It's, it's you know, an hour isn't, isn't enough, but I, I'm mindful that uh, it's such a big topic that, you know, it, it's, I think we've, we've covered a lot for today. What, yes. I, what I'd like to ask you, Mike, and I really, really appreciate your time and making yourself available. Is there any organizations or people you'd like to kind of mention or, or give give listeners, point them, point them in that direction? Well, I, you know, I, I think that um, there are are groups that are climate concerned in, in, in all kinds of areas, and I think it's important to engage wherever you're comfortable. You know, if I mean, one that comes to mind that we hear of a lot is 350.org. Yeah. Um, um, you know, uh, I've been out on the, the climate strikes that happened in September. I, I, I took the days off work and went off to them here. There were a lot of people. It was, it was fantastic. Um, uh, but you know they they they're doing their part and making an important contribution to raising the issue and 
um, in, in a nonviolent way, and I think that's uh, really a positive thing. Some people don't uh, appreciate that. Um, some people aren't comfortable with that, but um, uh, um, I don't know. A friend of mine is a is a co-founder of uh, original director of physicians for um, uh, Canadian physicians for the environment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so there's a, there's, there are places where, you know, physicians can get involved in, in, in these kinds of issues. I mean, uh, I, I don't know that organization uh, uh, personally, but um, I, I think that I think people should be engaged, you know, if you're in finance, there are, are, are groups that are um, uh, working on these issues. And, and, and I think that we also need these different groups to uh, work together. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's so many. Um, uh, there, there's a guy, uh, Rob transition towns in in your neck. yeah 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 um, um, the name doesn't come to me now he's in the south very south uh, southwest of England yeah right well we had a, a transition town group that formed and I went to their original meeting here in Victoria a few years back I think they I don't believe they're active uh, at this point here and I'm not sure where that is at but um, those kinds of things. I mean, they were working on permaculture and you yeah. know those sorts of things. So I mean, we we need to um, be working uh, to innovate uh, in every sector of emissions. And mm -hmm. uh, when I s use that phrase, I think of uh, Bill Gates. There's a Netflix video called Inside Bill's Brain, and uh, he's done some work on on climate and is looking at that and the interviewer asked him well how do we fix this and he just said in a phrase like well we just have to innovate in every emission sector like mm. uh, um we, we've got to deal with uh airplane fuels and we've got to deal with shipping and we've got to deal with agriculture and we've got to deal with i mean it's everything it's everything yeah, exactly. we it's so broad yeah so i i don't you know, it's, and I think we're all, people are so different. Like we, we, um, and there's so many organizations that are doing good work that we need to invigorate them, join them, create them if, if there isn't yeah. something. And, uh, and then, and then work with other groups. Uh, that's, um, that's my thinking about it. No, it is so true. And every, everyone can do their part, yeah. no matter what their background is. I mean, you're a scientist you can you can get involved in in uh measuring or, or explaining to people in you know in lay terms how how this is affecting us if you're in, in finance get involved in something to do with investment or divestment you know there's so many every single person has something they can contribute it's yes. agriculture or even just an initiative locally if it's reforestation whatever it may be so if, if anyone wants to find out, so CO2 Earth for... Yeah. CO2.Earth. Yeah. For, it shows uh, the uh, atmospheric concentration of CO2 and so much more, everything kind of around climate stabilization, why the, how the problem exists, 
quantifying the problem, what, what we can do to, to mitigate it or deal with it now. Um, lots, lots of really good information there. Yeah, and if anybody's interested in helping improve the site um, or expand things, uh, very open to that. Um, it's, a, it's a volunteer uh, initiative and, um, and there's a, a few people who are helping in different ways. Um, if you haven't, if somebody hasn't seen CO2.org, uh, it's, a, it's a good place to start. And um, there's lots of links to the uh, source science uh, website where the data comes from. And, and like you say, there's lots of information about um, what it means and how we learned about how scientists figured out um to to measure co2 and what it means and and uh what what it's been for in all kinds of different time scales and 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 how we can you know some pointers on uh uh what we can do with this information but it's you know it's um uh it's it's one of many sites and um it's a, i think it's a good starting point definitely definitely mike thank you yeah. so much for your time i, re I really appreciate it